Hey there, beautiful souls. It's your host, Claudia Whitney, back with another episode of Courage to Create. Before we dive into today's incredible interview with the amazing Jackie Simic, I wanted to take a moment to share some exciting news from my own journey. You know, since the beginning of the year, I've fully stepped into the world of business coaching. And let me tell you, it has been an absolute whirlwind of magic and transformation. Just recently, I had the pleasure of facilitating some powerful workshops, and we wrapped up an amazing business and leadership mastermind called Unleash Your Magic. On top of that, I finished guiding a group of incredible women in creating their own programs. The program was called Get With The Program. Loved it. The success and growth with my clients, I mean, it's left me absolutely lit up and on fire. Now, let's talk about what's coming up and why I'm buzzing with so much excitement. It's my upcoming mastermind experience called Bold Soul. Picture this. It's a hybrid program that combines the power of a mastermind with the transformational benefits of a coaching program. It's all about empowering you to run your business while doing the inner work to become the woman who has it all. In the Bold Soul Mastermind, we're going to dive deep into some truly life-changing areas. First up, we have soulful strategy. Together, we'll align your business strategy with your soul's purpose, infusing your unique essence into your offerings. And the result is a business that feels like a true and authentic extension of who you are. Next, we'll explore creative expression. We'll tap into your authentic creative energy and use it to stand out in a crowd. You'll learn how to create content that deeply resonates with your audience while harnessing your unique voice to make a powerful impact. But that's not all. We'll dive into feminine leadership. We'll cultivate your leadership skills from a place of feminine energy, intuition, and connection. And you'll learn how to create transformative experiences for yourself and your clients by holding sacred space. And of course, we can't forget about energetic mastery. We'll help you master your energy to attract abundance, opportunities, and those soulmate clients you've been dreaming of. They are waiting for you, I promise. Last, but certainly not least, we'll explore worth and wealth. Together, we'll heal any money blocks or scarcity mindset, allowing you to step into your worth and creating offers that reflect your true value. Now, let me tell you, the Bold Soul Mastermind is going to be an absolute game changer. It's a five-month experience tailor-made just for you. Starting in mid-June, we'll have weekly coaching calls with me, and sometimes you'll have a guest expert. We have content creation sessions, plus you'll have unlimited support through our small group Telegram chat. And as a bonus, you'll get complimentary access to any workshops, masterclasses, or mini courses running during our time together. Oh, and have I mentioned the early bird offer? If you're feeling that nudge in your gut, that spark of curiosity, know that I am here for you. This mastermind is hot, my friend. And if you're ready to grow your business, expand your leadership and align with your soul's purpose, then this is the sign you've been waiting for. So don't hesitate to reach out to me. Just DM me the word bold soul on Instagram with Dr. Claudia Whitney. And let's have a chat to see if the bold soul mastermind is the perfect fit for you. All right. Now, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Get ready to be inspired, empowered, and ready to create courageously. Let's go. 
Welcome to Courage to Create, a podcast for those choosing to live and lead from heart, soul, and desire. I'm your host, Claudia Whitney, a certified hypnotherapist and life and business coach for women. And I'm obsessed with supporting you on your path to living a more abundant, expanded life of purpose. I believe we were born to go big, and each week you'll hear inspiring interviews from passionate souls that dare to create their bold stories. And it's my hope that after hearing stories of truth, courage, and desire, you'll feel called to rewrite a part of your story that may be holding you back from living a life of your wildest dreams. Hello, welcome back. Today I'm interviewing mindset and business coach Jackie Simic. Jackie's a former CPA and finance control freak, which I love that you were a finance control freak. I'm like the complete opposite. <laughs> and now she helps once in a lifetime women wake up to their full range of feelings, hold reverent their role in the world, and reclaim emotional mastery to live and lead with an open heart. Jackie's also a certified emotional freedom technique practitioner through EFT International and uses emotional leadership technique to work with your nervous system and neurological pathways, uncovering your core self-identity, examining your coping mechanisms, interrupting your patterns, and resourcing you to change behavior. So I met Jackie through the Desire on Fire community, and I've actually interviewed her once before for an interview I did called Born for This 2.0. Do you remember that, Jackie? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm excited to be interviewing her again. So thanks for being here again, Jackie. Thank you for having me. I'm listening to like my own bio, and I'm like, wow, that's really heavy. <laughs> that doesn't show up <laughs> I don't think that shows off my energy personality at all in any big way. So I will have to go back to the drawing board on that one. But thank you for, for highlighting all of the, the techie pieces of me. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to feel your personality today. So, yeah. And I know you've been through some big changes since we last did the interview. And I can't wait to hear what's new in your life. I just was thinking that like, as you're saying it, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like that was November of 2021. Yeah. So much has I was, happened. I was so depressed. That was the truth, actually. If anyone's listened to that, you probably, I hit it really well, but I was, I had a lot of long COVID depression. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, at that point in the fall, I was just, I was living in Ohio. I was a nomadic. So I was living with, with a beautiful woman with a beautiful heart. And I just would cry and hike every day. And I was hanging on by a thread. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. And look at you now, you know, I know you, you're really good at sharing on social media. I'm always like, Jackie, you're so good because you are. And I do know from social media and a little bit from, you know, talking to you in person that last year was quite the journey for you. And I'd love for you to share more about, well, I'd love for you to share more about what you do. And I'd like to dig into that a little bit too. Yeah. I, it's funny that you say that because actually at that point in time, when I, I really honestly didn't really know even myself what was going on. And I started working with a therapist and even the little homeworks that she gave me, I couldn't do. I could barely like get out of bed. I was just like working with whatever my existing business was. And I remember my business coach being like, you should share about this. And I was like, I had so much shame that even me who has all these tools and everything ended up in this place and, you know, depression can happen to anybody. And so I, I was hiding it. I was like really hiding it from everybody. And then it took till like January for me to get kind of out of the fog and really start to feel my own body again and feel like the personality that I, I know myself to be. 
And then I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> okay, yeah. Now I see what happened. I had that perspective to look back and be like, okay, yeah, I just spent five months like just kind of in a cloud, like in brain fog and all of that. And so, yeah, I, I didn't have a hard case of COVID. And then that that just ended up being like the long, long game for me personally. But yeah, so that brought me into the beginning of 2020. Two <laughs> and kind of piecing my life together. My word of the year for 2022 was commit. And so right away on like the 3rd of January, I was like, I need to find my own place. Like I got to stop like sleeping in other people's beds, <laughs> like nomadic, like lifestyle. It seems like very glamorous, but I like to nest and I wanted my own stuff around me again. So I signed Elise in Santa Barbara. And that marked like my official moving across the country to a town where I knew absolutely no one. Because you were in New York before, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I say I'm such a like New Yorker at heart and Santa Barbara probably can't be like further from it, like physically and also like frequency wise. (laughs) Like New York has this frequency that's just like, go, go, go bigger, better. Everyone's trying to do something. Everyone's got like creative energy and... Santa Barbara's like where you go to retire. (laughs) It's a very like, yeah, mellow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've considered moving there a few times, like before we came to LA and, and I'm like, I kind of feel like we need to go big before we go, you know, Mm -hmm. then we can go there if we decide to go there, but it's a beautiful spot. It's a beautiful place. And you seem to be really making the most out of it. Like you're always going to events and doing things and you seem to build a community there. And so, yeah, like, was there, I mean, after getting through your depression and the, the long COVID and all of that, and then finding the place, like, was there a moment where you just felt like you found yourself again, or was it a longer process than that? I was like, okay, I'm back. Like Jackie's back. I can feel like literally feel myself like embodied again. And at the same time, I had no idea what was about to come. Like the whole 2022 was just challenge after challenge and get like what I say is like gift after gift because Mm -hmm. of the way I chose to like meet those challenges. Yeah. Um, but when, when I first arrived in Santa Barbara, yeah, like anytime you like arrive anywhere new, there's like that initial six week, like everything's going to be great. And then like the honeymoon, like, like wears off a little bit. And I was like, what am I doing here? And I remember like, even in April wanting to cut and run, but my word was commits. It was like, no, you can't run yet. (laughs) Like, I get that this isn't really for you. And so the, like, I've always been such a go, go, go person. That's why like I thrive in New York and the frequency was so counter to who I am that it felt so uncomfortable. And yet I kept getting these downloads that were like, you need to stay. And one was so clear. It was like, you need to stay for healing. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. And I thought it was in relation to the COVID stuff because I, I, I still have loss of smell and a year and a half later. So that's what I thought that was in reference to, but it actually ended up being a multitude of other feeling things that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I saw a lot of that on social media. You were very open. And, you know, when we first started talking, you were saying how, like when we had that first interview, you were like, I was actually depressed and I was like hiding it. So, you know, when did you decide to 
I think, I think it takes so much courage, you know, to be going through hard things and then to be sharing it with the world. So when did you decide to say, Hey, instead of hiding what I'm going through, I'm going to actually be super vulnerable and open and share, you know, transparent and share all of this stuff. Yeah. I think it was the difference between just the fact that I didn't feel like I was in my body before. And then once I did, it was like me in relation to these things. And so I, I didn't feel like these actual like challenges that presented themselves ever like took me down. I felt like I had the opportunity and the option with each of them to be like, okay, how do I want to navigate and respond to this? So I think it was just having that internal compass that was like there again, whereas like in the depressive state, like I didn't have that available to me. So I think that was probably the difference. And then because I felt embodied, I was like, oh, okay, I can share from this place. Like, whereas before it felt like if I share from this place, these words aren't my own. I don't really like, I would just be like making things up. Whereas this was like, truthfully, like from my heart and like what's going on. And also recognizing too, that like I got to control the narrative in a sense. And also I got to like choose who I wanted to invite in because some of the stuff that happened this year was really scary for some people to deal with. And for me, I was really surrendered. So also learning that, learning like when to share and how much and who to share with, because sometimes it would turn, it would also turn into like, oh, now I'm in the place where I have to soothe the other person, but like, I'm actually okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about embodied and just if, if someone's listening and not understanding really what that means or what it means for you, can you just go into that a bit more? Yeah. I I mean, I... Personally, just I'm a first generation kid. So like a lot of stuff is ingrained just about like survival and like a new place. And, you know, a lot of people come to the US like for the opportunity. And so a lot of the conditioning is like you can have anything you want if you work hard for it. And so there's a lot of doing, there's a lot of headstrong attributes that I have. Last time I had my IQ tested, I brought, you know, it was somewhere in the like 140s. I was pulled out of classes for like gifted stuff. I skipped levels at my job. Everything was like rewarding my head and being like everything about the mind, thinking that like all my values about the thinking brain, how quick I am, how quick I can have a, a response, a comeback line, a one liner, like, you know, all of it. And it completely like ignoring my body and what was happening like from the neck down. So if anyone is being like, what does that mean? Like, I don't, I totally had that question too, because I didn't know what it meant. And there's such a difference between operating from your head and then operating from like your entire being. And it took me a long time and a lot of healing work and a lot of like understanding what feelings are allowing them to move through my body to really start to connect with my body, to feel my intuition in my body to feel pings and sensations and listening to them, knowing that the body is the subconscious. Like, so all my beliefs about myself and other people and how the world works and what's safe and what's possible, all wired into our nervous system, which runs through our entire body, which is why I can't use my thinking brain that got rewarded my whole life to overcome (laughs) what's the deeper rooted beliefs, which then drive my actions that my body is willing to take or not take. So learning how to work with this beautiful vessel (laughs) below my neck and feeling 
let's see the embodiment piece. I think it's like when you almost don't need your head to try so hard. <laughs> when yeah, that's like, so good. Like it's just so natural and coming from like the tips of your toes <laughs> and it's all just so familiar. And so your whole being and your essence is involved and there's no perfectionism. And it's absolutely the only part that's perfect is that it's absolutely you and what you feel and believe and want to express like in this moment. And you feel because it's your whole being, it's like you can feel the connection with the world around you. And and lately it is my belief in God and the universe is so visceral that like my body can actually feel like a cushiony duvet down comforter, like holding me as I move through life. <laughs> Dang girl, that's so good. <laughs> I love that. That's a great explanation. And yeah, my favorite part was, yeah, when you said the body or the head doesn't have to work so much, you know, and it was a really beautiful explanation. And there's a question there too. And I just want to see if it's still there. I wanted to go through the whole background piece for any of your listeners, because there was such a point in my life where I did not have any reverence for the body, for feeling. I remember my first therapist being like, she'd be like, how do you feel? And I'd be like, I think. And she'd be like, no, no, no. How do you feel? And I'm like, what are those? And now my entire business life mission, all that is to invite people to feel more because I think all of our power lies in our feelings. I think that's what I was going to bring up is I have a client the other day I was working with him and he's in his head and really trying to make this decision. I said, okay, well, let's just stop for a second. Like close your eyes and like, what does it feel like in your body? Mm-hmm. And he was just like blown away. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> he, you know, then explained, I've just been so disconnected from my body. And you ask a question like that and it's like, it's just short circuiting. And it's just a really great reminder because I've been doing this work and you've been doing this work for a while now too. I forget, you know, I forget what it was once like. So I love that you're talking about it and talking about, yeah, this journey that you've been on reconnecting and feeling and like your connection with God. And yeah, I just, I think it's really beautiful, but you were, I think you were about to say something too. A quick exercise that anyone can do to see the power of the body versus the mind is like when you can't make a decision. And so, you know, if your mind is going back and forth and you've got little lists that you're like putting and you're like the pluses in my, like to say moving, right? Because I think I am going to eventually move out of Santa Barbara and I'm in Miami right now recording this with you. And the reason I'm here is because I'm scoping this place out as possible next move. And so it's like, I can make tons of lists that are like, oh, Miami, very international, Santa Barbara, small town and very safe. Like, you know, and logically, like I put it all down. And then you can sit instead and with your body and just get into a relaxed state and then start to imagine using your mind, bringing in like visions of Miami or visions of like, you know, whatever the thing is. And then you could notice, does my body feel contracted? Does it feel expanded? Does it feel heavy? Does it feel like there's a pain somewhere or something looking for my attention? And then there's obviously deeper ways to work with that information, but that's just one very simple way that the body will tell you the truth that your conscious mind can't figure out. 
Exactly. And I always tell my clients to try it in small ways, you know, like when you're ordering food or you're driving, take a left or right, like just start getting it into it and in tiny ways, feeling your yeses and your nose. And it's like a practice. And then, you know, it's a practice and whatever we practice grows stronger, right? Where we get to the point where we can like in the moment go like, oh, this is such a yes. You know, this is like my whole body is saying no. We can say like frou-frou things like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel it in my gut. <laughs> I feel it in my yeah. gut. Yes. Or I heard something, you know, like I also, you know, studying with an energy healer and intuitive guide for a long time. And yeah, she was, she would talk about the language of our body, you know, and, and it was re- always really interesting to talk with the other people in the program about how they got their information because some people would hear something, someone would actually see something, someone, it would be just full body tingles or something. So it's also really learning the language of our body. Yeah. That's the difference between say like your clairvoyant versus like clairaudient or something like that, which is for hearing. Like you get, like you just get like a, a word out of nowhere versus you get a vision out of nowhere or like I'm claircognizant, which means like, it's just a knowing. It's yes. not a vision or, or like a sound or some people even get a sound. They get a little like buzzing or something like that. But yeah, again, like slowing down, relaxing the conscious mind, having a practice where you start to like get in touch with your body because there's all of this power and awareness available there. Yeah. So much wisdom. Something that you've been very open about this year or I guess technically last year, <laughs> now that it's we're in 2023 is your fertility journey. And I think it's been so important. And I've shared this with you before that it's not something that was sort of in my world when I was going through wanting to get pregnant and and having miscarriages and all of that. And so I really, yeah, have appreciated you bringing to light like your journey and what you're going through. And I just wanted to know if you wanted to share some of that and why it's been important for you to share it. Definitely, 100%. So I'm 41, similar to you, very healthy, or what I think is a very healthy lifestyle. Definitely. I mean, you've seen Claudia's picture if you're listening to this podcast. So, you know, Claudia looks amazing, period. And then if I want to asterisk it for your age, you know, but same, same with me, people think I'm a lot younger than my chronological age. And so I thought that like, oh, I have this freaking thing beat. Like, yeah, women can't, you know, fertility goes down and you're, once you hit 35 and, you know, after 40, it's really hard. And I was like, that's for those women. That's for the unhealthy women. I'm healthy. I look really great. So everything's going to work amazing down there. And it was a shock when I went in for my first appointment to find out that I was statistically exactly where he expected at that point, I was 40, like a 40 year old woman to be. And I just, you know, remember walking out of the office with, I have weird veins. So like they had to prick me like seven times to do all the blood stuff. And I just remember walking out with these, like, these like gauzes on my arm. And I sat in the park across the street and I just bawled because I was like, I didn't understand that this door was going to close without me even knowing it was closing. And And then I got the real, you know, I got some more bad news, like right after that. So bad news and good news. So for me, like I I love my clinic. I love my doctor. And so they, they run a few tests. You do a sonogram to see how many follicles you have left. And I'm going to get a little sciencey just so that women who are listening can understand a little bit more. But when you're trying to get naturally pregnant, some of this stuff doesn't matter as much. So 
every month one follicle releases one egg. And if it's fertilized, you can get pregnant. And so one is all you need, right? And natural fertility. But when you're doing like the process of IVF or wanting to freeze your eggs, there's a process to it. And at every step in that process, there is attrition. So there is like a likelihood that stuff will not be okay. So for instance, if we start at step one, we may want 10 eggs and then we need to make an embryo. And so maybe only three eggs can be used to make that embryo. And then after that, maybe there's one or two embryos that come out of that and then they do implantation. And so the pregnancy may or may not stick. So you have to start with more eggs to come down to try to have like one successful pregnancy. So the amount of follicles that you have matters for IVF. And I'm at a point now where I have about four. So to do even one round of freezing my eggs to go through that cycle, the max amount of eggs that can come out at this point is the amount of follicles that I have. Each follicle can produce one egg. So, you know, when you're in your early 30s, you might have 20 follicles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, And then the quality of the actual egg that comes out is also much better when you're younger versus when you start to be in your forties, the quality of the eggs, like some of them will not make embryos. They won't be mature to do that. So that's why like at, at a certain point, like we think we have all, I mean, we do have amazing, great fertility research and techniques and all that so much more now 30 years than we did, you know, 30 years ago. But there's also just things that you can't override. And so there are women that are like in similar situations to me that will do what's called like, you know, a freezing cycle. So you inject a bunch of hormones into you that makes every follicle push an egg forward. So instead of in natural ovulation, one follicle comes forward, all of the follicles like try to push eggs forward. And it takes about two weeks or so. And when they're at a mature level, the doctor will go in and do like just a quick surgery of pulling the eggs out and then they'll be studied. And then the the good ones will be frozen and saved. So there's women when you're down to like this many follicles that will just do round after round to try to get that bulk amount of eggs and then go from there. On the plus side of things, if you do have successful like freezing of your own eggs or you want to use a donor egg, most women will be able to have a successful implantation well into their 40s. So as long as you're still not in menopause, there's a lot of success in that. So that's just, you know, other options that are available to you. But that's the reason why it's so important for women to know this stuff so that if you want, you know, to start a family later in life and you want it to be genetically yours, that you should be thinking about freezing your eggs you know, some are around 30, even in your 20s, if you could do it, but like up to 35 is like you get really good outcomes mm-hmm. versus, you know, I was Googling to like get some articles of expansion. So I was looking for women that became mothers in the 40s. And this doula said this line that stuck with me. And it's like, it's not that you can't become a mother in your 40s, is that it comes with a lot of heartbreak. Mm-hmm. So it's just so much easier if you know this information. And you realize and recognize that like what my doctor said, which is this part of your body doesn't wait. Like we can drink all the juices and use the creams and our face could look great and our asses can be high and tight, (laughs) but our ovaries and our reproductive system ages exactly like, you know, it's been aging for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all of that and the science behind it. 
I just thought that I would be able to like have more kids and it would be easy. I'm, I was a yoga teacher, so healthy, like so vibrant, you know, like just happy. I just did not think like, like you said earlier, it was the other women that had those issues, not me. And then when we try to have more, it never worked out. I've had miscarriages and I was like, oh man. And then of course my ears open up to like other people sharing stories like yours And I'm like, if I would have known, I would have frozen my eggs earlier and done all of that. But I think it's great to hear it from, yeah, women like us that are healthy and doing the right things. And you're right, like that part of our body doesn't wait. So yeah, I just really have appreciated your message. And yeah, wish I would have heard it earlier. I guess I was meant to have one amazing little boy. And I feel very lucky for that, for sure. And it's important. And I feel... You know, this is very sciencey. And for me personally, God will be greater than science. Like God is greater than any statistic. I don't need any of that stuff. Like I'm on a journey with God. And so through the fertility journey, we found other stuff. And I believe that, again, that happened for me to help me become the person who can receive the manifestation that I'm looking to have, which is motherhood. Mm -hmm. So all of the things that happen to me are like helping shape me to become a mother. And so really like, it's not up to my doctor. It's not up to IVF. It's up to me and God. And I think there's many ways to become a mother and, you know, an adoptive soul chooses you. I think, you know, whatever, whatever it is, if it's a donation, if, you know, however this is going to end up looking, I don't have to make that decision right now. Maybe I'm not in partnership and I plan to become a mother in partnership. And so the reason that I'm actually even doing this is because I just wanted another door open for God to work with and have no regrets. And and that's it. Yeah. And trust. It sounds like you just have a lot of trust. Thanks for that. Mm. Yeah. You've also talked about being part of 12 Steps program. And so I know that's been a part. And I'm, I'm hearing you really talk about your relationship with God and wondering if that is something that came out of 12 Steps curious, you know, what, and I'm bringing this up because I know that you're, you know, you shared on social media. So I'm asking Mm -hmm. this, if anyone's like, wow, Claudia is going so personal here. Free reign. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just what made you decide to go that route and how has it helped you? Yeah. So you mentioned Desire and Fire. So we both have coached with Amy and Ellie and in the fall, when I was in the thick of things, I remember showing up to like some bonus call And there was just a few of us. It was a very intimate call. And I was just, I think I cried the whole call. And Ellie looked at me and said, I think you need Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. And I was like, no. And she's like, it sounds like you're powerless in your dictate. And I had just matched with someone. I think I went on one date with him. And on that first date, it was a beautiful date, lunch, all that. We had a good vibe connection, all that stuff. But he told me he was separated. And that wasn't on his profile. And I was like, okay. And then we went on the second date and I thought I was going to do enough due diligence by being like, you know, how long have you been separated and what does separated mean? And are you just trying out, you know, what's going on out there and maybe you'll reconcile and things like that. And he told me that they had gone to marriage counseling for a year and this was the result of the marriage counseling and that the divorce is the end goal of the separation. And... I was like, okay, good enough for me. And we both started to pursue a relationship. And 
I fell very hard for this man and had a lot of attributes and things that I was like, thought I had waited my whole life to find. I thought this was like, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I was 40 years old. I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is why it makes so much sense. This is why all the other stuff didn't work out. I was waiting for this person. This is amazing. He had two children. I was like, oh my God, Insta fam. I was like, do you want more kids? He's like, absolutely with you. I was like, great. We're going to sail off into the sunset. We're going to have our own family, all that stuff. And the relationship continued and the divorce like was in process. And he, he actually was even still living in his family home when we met, which when I look back on that now, I'm just like, Oh my God, Jackie, like you were absolutely insane. And you let all of these major red flags just be okay. Painted them green. And so then in the start of the new year, he was like, I need some time to set up my new life. And I really wanted to give that to him because I was like, yeah, I don't actually want to be mothering anything here or rescuing anybody here. I was like, yeah, as a man, I want you to like establish your new home. And as a man and a father, I want you to like get your family on their feet and all that stuff. So we took some time apart and... I was like, I'm 40 years old. I'm not putting myself on the shelf, (laughs) you know, while this is happening. So I'm continuing to date, but not feeling anything for anyone and just like really holding out for this guy. And we end up reconnecting a couple months later. And he's like, I thought about you every day, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, great. This, This is all like happening as it's supposed to. And there was this like, couldn't get on the phone. It was like, his son was sick, this, that, like whatever. These weird things were happening. I'm like, what, what does this mean? And then he just like, out of the blue drops a bomb and tells me he met somebody else. And I was like, what, what do you mean you met someone else? I just spent all this time waiting for you. Like you promised me everything, blah, blah, blah. And I think in, in hindsight, what I saw was that this person was a people pleaser. And so he literally was just telling me everything that I wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. And that is the only thing I'll say (laughs) that not bad, but we'll say about him because everything else needs to be about me and what did I do and what did I allow and what did I choose? Because if I make him wrong, then I don't learn anything. I don't grow. I don't evolve. I don't take responsibility and this pattern will continue and happen over again. And so crazy heartbreak. I I remember like literally just being on the floor for weeks and, and crying and just letting everything move through me. And I made a commitment that I wouldn't numb out at all. So I don't already, like, I don't really drink, but I didn't even go. I remember my friends asked me to go see a movie and I was like, I don't want to see that movie. I'm not going like, just was like, I will not distract myself. I will cry. I will let like everything move through me. I will let all these feelings (laughs) move through me. And it, it made me so powerful because I became any fear that I ever had of any emotional expression or a part of myself, I no longer feared because it was happening and I allowed it to be, and I allowed it to move through me. And, and it was, it was so, I felt like it was like the accelerated path to letting this all go was to actually feel it instead of try to avoid it. And then it creeps up again, like months later. So back to desire on fire, another sister in the program was bragging about how she had done 30 meetings in 30 days of SLAA, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. And I just remembered what Ellie said. And I was like, yeah, instead of listening to her, I jumped into a situation with an unavailable person who could not give me the things that I wanted in my life. And I went to one meeting and I, I 
it wasn't, you know, it was like a newcomer meeting. It was both sexes together and didn't feel right. And so I reached out to the sister and I said, I saw your post. And she's like, come to my meeting on Tuesday. And I went to that meeting and a month later I was running that meeting. And I'm actually now the secretary of that meeting. <laughs> We're about seven, seven or so months, I think, into SLAW. And yeah, it just, I got to tell you, like the first two, three months, I was consistently showing up. I was doing about three meetings a week. I got a sponsor. And step one is to admit that you're an addict and you have a problem. And I was just not willing to do that yet. I was like, yeah, I got some stuff. Like I picked some like not great guys and they make you go through like all of your dating history. And so, yeah, I saw it all on paper and I was like, yeah, there's definitely some patterns here. There's definitely some, I'd settle for the nice guy and end up in like the long relationship that I like didn't feel right. And then when I wasn't with the nice guy, I'd be chasing all the guys that like were terrible. (laughs) Yeah. So I would get a lot into fantasy. So I would like create a relationship and a level of a relationship and intimacy that wasn't there. I wanted to like speed any of my long relationships were like speed into it, like three weeks and saying, I love you. (laughs) Like just not, you know, the definition of intimacy takes time. And I wanted to like rush those things and I would get obsessive with people. I'd be like, Oh, okay. Like I just met you. I know nothing about you, but like in my head with the fantasy, like we're already marching towards the altar and things like, things like that. Things I'm like really like learning about myself. Yeah. So the first few months I was like, I don't, who, who wants to say they're an addict? Like who wants to say that something in their life is like out of their control. Mm -hmm. And I went to a friend's wedding in Mexico and I reconnected with someone I had met in her circle a few times here and there. And we had such fun time at most people. When you start SLA, you don't date. You actually, actually, I even had to do 30 days of no contact with any men, including all my guy friends. The only man I was allowed to talk to was my father. (laughs) And that is just to see how much you are pulling from the opposite sex or needing validation from the opposite sex. Like you're hooked, right? So like you kind of need to go through a little bit of a withdrawal And so I'm still in this period where like, I'm not cleared for dating. Usually you have to go through step five in order to begin dating again. And I, I, I couldn't even accept step one. So I go to this wedding, reconnect with this person laughing every night till two in the morning, nothing physical happening, all of that. And I come home and everything's great. And I come home and my mind goes into obsessive again. Mm-hmm. And he came to visit me. He lived in San Diego. He came to visit me in Santa Barbara and I could not relax the whole time that he was there. And as soon as like he dropped me off at the airport, I, I, was, <laughs> I was flying out of LA home just, just for a visit. I called my sponsor and I'm like, yeah, I have a problem. And she's like, well, that's the gift. That was the gift of him coming along to show you that you have a problem. Because I knew in that moment, it was like, it don't matter if his name is Lee, Bob or George or what body he has, what job he has, all that. My mind is going to work the same way. And that's when I knew, like, I was like, okay, I have a a problem. And, and you can be like, this is just an attachment issue. And, or this is just, I don't know, whatever other stuff, you know, you didn't have the right relationship model to you, or you got your heart broken. And, but for me, this program works. And Mm -hmm. so there's been so many miracles in program. Part of step two and three is developing a relationship with a higher power. So going back to your question about God. I love using the word God now. I do switch pronouns. He is a little bit left over from childhood and they, you know, sometimes I say they, but I had to sit down and really understand who God is for me. 
because I was raised Catholic, but then I also very much believe in quantum physics and energy and frequency and manifestation, the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza, like all these things. And I didn't know how to reconcile this like man in the sky with these like universe ideologies. So I had to sit down and literally sit down with a notebook (laughs) and be like, what does my God do and mean and believe? And I love all religions because I think they're fundamentally the same. So I believe that my God is, is like at the helm and then uses different deities, whether it's like Ganesh or Mother Mary, works through everyone. Everyone's on the same team. And so, you know, my life now is not about my will. It's about what God's will is for me and trusting everything that's happening for me. It's like every opportunity is like shaping me, molding me. And I really, the level of trust and faith and surrender, it's just like life is so so much easier now. I don't have to worry about stuff. I just give it over to God. And like, I'm not going to be able to figure it out. (laughs) One thing I want to say that is imperative to, if anyone's listening and they're like, I want that. I also think like to note what the relationship was between you and your primary caregiver, because a lot of times, whatever that relationship is, and there's going to be shortfalls in that relationship because it's humans raising other humans. But usually we project that relationship onto how God works. And so, you know, in order to get to this place of surrender and full trust in God, you may need to do some healing around reprogramming what you feel like could have been better in childhood or parents or whatever, that type of stuff. And really trusting that God is more powerful than any of that stuff. Wow. And I can really see that in you, you know, I really see and feel the shift in you and and feel you more surrendered than you know I've ever experienced you ever. I remember <laughs> I was gonna say, you definitely experienced me like if you guys don't know Claudia was my pod leader inside of Desire on Fire. That's and the picture I got was that first call in our pod. So this was Jackie before let's say Jackie before feminine work. Jackie before 12 steps, <laughs> lots more healing, going through all the challenges, you know, the COVID depression. I, I didn't even touch on like with the fertility, like they found a bleed in my brain. Then I went to go do the actual freezing finally months later after they got that under like wraps and they found a cyst. And like, it's just like, I haven't frozen my eggs yet, guys. It's been seven months. <laughs> right. But all of these little health challenges, the heartbreak, the 12 steps, like, all of that stuff has softened me so much that, yeah, please tell them your impersonate, your impression <laughs> of me on that first call. <laughs> okay. I have permission, right? <laughs> well, I remember, you know, I was your pod leader. So in Design Fire, they have a program called Pleasure Mastery and they assign pod leaders to a few people in the program so that everybody has like a smaller group within the bigger group within the program, which is around 50 people, 50 participants. And so Jackie was a part of my pod and we got on our first call and I, I feel like you were outside or in, in a car, maybe you were inside. I, I can't remember. Waiting out, I was in my car outside the post office. Yes. Yes. And I just did a round of like, you know, how's everyone feeling? And your first words that I ever heard out of your mouth were, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I've got things to do. I'm traveling. I don't want to be on this call. I only came because da, 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 da. But that was, that was the, 
the first frame we'll say that I have of you. Yeah. Well, before that, we were arranging the call on WhatsApp and you, I think, sent out a little reminder. And I, I was in the process of selling my apartment and putting everything into storage and starting my nomadic life. And I was like, I'm too busy. I'm not going to be there. And, and your response, and I really love this because this is such, again, it's such a beautiful example of like when your heart's involved and your heart's open and like you validate it. You were like, okay. And I'm still holding the possibility that you may be able to come. And so because you didn't meet my toughness with more toughness, you met it with softness. I was like, oh, I want that. Like, it was like, I'm going to show up to this call <laughs> because she said that there's a possibility. So I can, I can do no wrong at this point. I could just show up and be held and received. And then I was like, okay, I'll speak my truth. I was like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Which is great. And I loved it. I mean, I just also want to say like, when you said that I was like, I, I felt really good. It felt really good that you could just be honest. I was like, thank God you're just, you know, it might feel harsh or whatever, but it felt really good that you were just actually saying the truth <laughs> and, tell, and just saying that you didn't want to be there. So yeah. I was like, so there for it. Yeah. I love the truth. I mean, it might be the New Yorker in me, but you know, even working with clients, I always say like the outcomes that are the most successful that my clients create for themselves is when they come to session with me and they're in their truth. Mm-hmm. And there's a saying inside of therapy, they call it the doorknob moment. And so like a client will be like, everything's fine, blah, blah, you know, and, like the whole session. And then as they're getting up to leave, their hands on the doorknob and they drop the bomb. And so, yeah, I'm always like, be in your truth. And then we can actually work with what is. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that. That's so perfect. It's so true, you know, and, and you're a coach and I'm a coach. So we see this all the time, but yeah, there's that moment where it's like, ah, such a relief when someone gives, gives up the truth, you know, and, and sometimes there's a a bit of thawing that needs to happen. No, you gave me your truth that day. (laughs) That's the one thing, like top of my list of in program, I had to do a list of my assets. And the very first thing on the top was integrity. And inside of integrity is like honesty, truth, transparency. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I experience you, you know, from then to, until now and this journey you've been on. And I've been in rooms with you where, you know, at retreats and, you know, just all kinds of situations where we've been in the room where, yeah, like deep work was happening. And you've always just been so willing to go there, to be seen, to just put it all out there. And yeah, I just really appreciate that about you. You know, that's what my energy healer says about me. <laughs> I've been working with her for years. She's an OG, like 30 years in metaphysics. And she's like, like a challenge presents itself. And you're just like, okay, let's go. Let's do the up level. Let's look at this. Let's break this down. Let's get this out of my way. And yeah, she's like, just always are going for like the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just think that like now versus then it was like a, let's do this where like now, like you're saying is you're putting, you're not taking all the responsibility. It feels like you do have partnership and that you do feel supported through it. And that has allowed you just to like soften into the the woman that sits here today. And it's just cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was in New York last week and I love New York. It's like, I, I love the saying, New York or nowhere. And a fellow from the program was like, why don't you move back there? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. There's just something about why I won't move back here right now. And then I was walking down the street and it just like hit me, the claircognizance. 
And it said, you know, the, the understanding was you'll never be able to be soft here. And because my masculine brain and my pushing and my forcing and all that, like I could create anything I wanted. Of course, I never looked at what cost. <laughs> and I thought that was like almost the only way that I could be in exist. And then you have to do deeper healing work in order to trust softening mm-hmm. because our whole like society is built around this idea that like, if you want something you have to like do and force and all of that. And so it's very hard to like actually surrender to the softness. But I was like, yeah, I think New York, the New York chapters close because I will never be in a place that's in such survival and competition. I don't think I could be as soft as I have now become there. Although maybe it's an interesting experiment. Maybe we'll move, put me back there and see I know Jackie in a harsh city would do. (laughs) I mean, it's who you are now, you know, it's like, and of course it's never perfect, but like you've experienced this. I I don't see you going, okay, I'm going to be that way again. You know, it's like, you've been through some major moments this year, you know? Yeah. So, and and I think, like I said, at the beginning of our chat is like this more healed, authentic version of me is the better partner is the better mother or at least the type of mother and partner I want to be. That's so beautiful. One more thing I want to talk about is manifestation, because I know you have some pretty strong views about how it's being taught and shared today. And if you care to share, I'd love to hear your take on manifestation, what you think is kind of missing in the conversation. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of manifestation, the, the larger themes around it, laws of attraction is like high vibes only thoughts become things like watch your thoughts, control your thoughts, think positive thoughts. And, and for me, like, or, or like the other tools around manifestation too, would be like vision boards, affirmations, visualization, and all those things are nice. Those are nice tools, but I think they're surface level tools And I think we have to go a level deeper because the truth is every emotion is valid. We don't have to just stay high vibe. And a lot of times I think people that are really attached to this idea that like, I have to stay high vibe, the underlying vibration in that is fear. Mm -hmm. It's fear and scarcity of like, oh, I can't go there. There's, there's like an actual different like frequency and tension around it. And I think sometimes too, we can spend so much energy trying to avoid these negative emotions or going into, you know, like the things that I went through this year, like the heartbreak, it's like, okay, but, or I can choose to be with what is. And I think that to me is more of the higher vibration. It's the compassion and the acceptance and the understanding that I'm a human and I'm going to have a multitude of experiences here and they're all valid and they're all happening for whatever reason. And the other piece to it about the controlling, like all your thoughts, like your conscious thoughts are su- such a small, I took your beautiful money. What was it? Money love. Money love, of course. Mm-hmm. And you, and you had these beautiful like illustrations about the brain and, and how the subconscious versus the conscious, the conscious mind is like what 5%, the subconscious is about 95%. So if we're trying to control this 5%, like our conscious thoughts and trying to control those all the time and ignoring the 95% of our subconscious, 
which actually to me lives in the body. There's an imprint. The subconscious was developed through life experiences, through observations of things happening or them happening to yourself. And so there's an imprint that's stored in the cells of the body and wired into the nervous system. And so for me, like manifesting is not a conscious action. It's a subconscious action that has to actually happen somatically. Mm. And that's why like your emotions and your feelings are so powerful. And that when you allow things to flow and feel and move through your body, I say everything finds you when you feel. And so I think for me, like the, the actual tools of manifestation are things like somatic healing, reprogramming limiting beliefs. You have new neural pathways and you're healing the experiences that created those beliefs at the root level at the, like, let's heal the actual thing that happened when you were five or 12 or whatever that's imprinted in your body. And I use a lot of EFT for that to help people kind of rewire their brains and their bodies at the same time. It's getting more into your feminine and into that softness and opening your heart. It's inner child healing and reparenting so that you can feel safe and supported in your body. You may never be able to reconcile the the relationship fully with your parents or have your needs fully met, even from the best parents. But there's a little child within you that you can learn to speak to and become and reparent yourself. So this is just some of the things, but it's, it's this, it's a deeper healing. And when you do that, how do I explain it? When you don't do those things, your feelings, your emotions can feel like these waves that come in that you have no control over that sort of just like bring you down and, and knock you out if you will. Right. So then of course we want to avoid feeling that way because we're like, Oh, that's not safe to have that experience. And I lose my power, I guess, if you will, in in those situations. But when you do enough of the healing and your, and your self identity changes and your, you, you reprogram your body, the feeling and the emotion, it's kind of hard to say this. It's like separate from you yet can gracefully move through you. Mm -hmm. And then you can learn to kind of work with that stuff. You can learn to be like, Oh, okay. This is the thing that lights me up. This is the thing that doesn't feel right right now. And I can trust that I can go deeper and be like, Oh, what's going on? Where am I not in alignment? Like you can use it all as information. And do you think that helps to manifest faster or that's because people aren't going to the subconscious level because they are saying, oh, I don't have bad thoughts. If I think something negative, that's going to come true. Like, you know, the power of the mind. let's, Let's just work through like a quick example. So like everybody wants more abundance, more money. So if you're like making a vision board with all these fancy things on it and then you're saying these affirmations, like I'm so wealthy, I, you know, I, whatever, swim in money. <laughs> I, I, always, I always imagine that, like, I don't know, if, remember DuckTales, but like uncle used to like swim in the, in the sea of coins. Right. So I'm like, <laughs> cause I always tell people, you can't really like manifest money because you don't feel anything about money. You actually feel other feelings. You feel like freedom or you feel like turn on to have that vacation or something like that. That's the thing that's actually going to make you feel something in your body, right? It's Mm -hmm. not really like, okay, cold, hard cash sitting in the bank accounts. And then like, if you're freaking out about money, it's like, let's, let's ignore that. And let's just keep saying our affirmations and our conscious controlling our conscious thoughts. And then, okay, maybe you could even manifest a little but And so now it comes and your nervous system is not set up to receive it. Mm -hmm. Your self-image of yourself is I can't be trusted with money. That's the real subconscious belief. 
because, you know, you witnessed, I don't know, your, your dad and your uncle went into business together and then something happened and they never spoke again. And so money's unsafe to you. So if we don't heal these deeper things, the manifestation is not going to be complete. You can like make it, most people then lose it because they're not like a match for it. So that's what we mean a lot of times too, when they say like, are you a vibrational match? Mm-hmm. Like, are, are you like healed enough to fully see yourself as this person who can have this thing and receive it, you know, all sorts of self-betrayal, self-sabotage stuff can come up, which I hate those words. I say like all of that stuff is self-protection because your body's just carrying out the belief that you have. You have to change the belief. And how do we change the belief? We change it at the root of the experience that created the belief. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I hope that was like a, a quick yeah. example of like sort I of like that, purpose level yeah. versus like deeper level manifestation. And I think for me personally, at least, again, it's sort of like the mind, the surface level of like, oh, okay, like for instance, like, you know, I have my own business. I could sit there and be like, okay, we're going to map out, you know, half million dollar business. Let's, let's do it. We're going to have these launches. We're going to have, you know, and like all of this heady stuff. And I'll tell you, like, that's probably where I was a year or two ago. And then now, like, I don't even have to think about that stuff because I'm so grounded and so embodied and so in my faith and trust and see myself as like a wealthy person who can be trusted with money, who deserves money. There's no guilt around me having it or being a steward of it or anything like that, that I'm like, oh, it's, I barely need to think about it, right? Other people are doing affirmations all day long. I barely need to think about it because I, it's a knowing mm-hmm. that it's inevitable. And so then there's no stress about it either. There's no resistance to it. And it gives me so much freedom to play because then I can be like, I'm going to write whatever the fuck I want as opposed to because <laughs> I know that like whatever I put out there, like this is the outcome. It's inevitable. It's already decided. I don't have to do anything about it. Yeah, I think you explained it really well. And I think, you know, like you said, you use EFT and I use hypnosis and there's all different kinds of work that can be done. But you're right. I think that we you have to go to the core or you, like you said, end up not being completely aligned or you aren't able to receive it or like you... I know yeah, you're like, and like just in, in what I just shared... Like the difference between the way I feel, my emotions, my frequency that feels so calm and at peace and at ease about like, this is like, this is like, of course it's happening. This is play versus Mm -hmm. someone who's like, I got to make the vision for, I got to say the affirmations today. Like there's the feeling and the frequency under that is all about tension, stress, scarcity, absolute self-pressure. So that's what I mean by like everything finds you when you feel. If you could get to a place where you're feeling this lightness, this joy in relationship with life, this gratitude, this understanding of like, oh, everything's happening for me. And I don't, I don't mean that in like a bypassy way, but it's like, I almost want to tell like another little story if I can. I know we're like running long. Sure. So after the cleaning up the brain bleed stuff, I finally like, in November, went to freeze my eggs, got all the medicines. You go in the morning of your first shot and they do an ultrasound kind of as like your baseline. And my doctor, you know, puts the wand in <laughs> and there's a cyst on my ovary. And he's like, we can't, can't move forward. We pump you full of drugs right now. The cyst is just going to get bigger and bigger. 
And so I walked out of the office, like completely crying, right? Cause it's totally okay for me to feel my emotions in that. I'm not like, okay, God's happening for me. I'm like, no, this fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, and cried and whatever and processed and did some energy healing. The cyst ended up bursting like on its own, no pain. I was dancing my face off on a, on a Saturday night because I was like, I'm going to live life to the fullest anyway, because I know God has, is blessing me anyway. And so I, I had my moment to cry. I came back to my center and feeling good and trusting and having faith. Got another ultrasound. They confirmed the cyst is gone within two weeks. <laughs> and they're like, do you want to move forward? And I was like, I, I, honestly, I need to, I need, I need a break. And nurse calls me the other day and she's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, I, I'm, I'm in. Like, I don't want to have any regrets. I'm feeling good. Like, let's just do the Hail Mary. And she's telling me about, you know, we have to reorder one of the drugs because it's not shelf stable. So it, I had to throw it away. And she's like, oh, we're not using that drug anymore. And I was like, oh, I was like, but the other one that you were using, which is called Metapure, was on a national shortage. And she's like, yeah, it's back in stock now. And to be honest, we didn't have great results in the November cycle. So I would have done the November cycle. They didn't find that cyst. And I was committed to doing one round of, of freezing my eggs. And I would have injected myself for what, 14 plus days, two shots a day to not have a good result. And I would have thought it was my own body, but it was actually the medicine. And I would have never called the clinic again because I only wanted to do it once. And now I'm like, nurse named Erica. I'm like, Erica, do you think this was my cyst? She's like, well, she's like, it protected you from that round. And I was like, oh, the plan is just like so much greater mm. than me. So like, I could have spun out for weeks. I could have been like, no, you know, like went down a hole and all that stuff and tried to control and try to manipulate. And I, or I could have just like the frequency of like the surrender and being like, okay, let's just see how this plays out. Let's see how this goes. I know God has got me. And then finding that information out later. So that's like the way that I would like love to invite people into like living their life. Mm, yeah. Like trusting the process, allow yourself to feel the feelings. But when you have not all of us need the amount of healing work I needed. <laughs> when you have the amount of healing work that I've done, this is where you get to. I say like your life experience is three things. It's your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others, and your relationship with God and possibility. And when you do the healing work and you know like that you love yourself so completely, shadow bits and all, that you see other people as like always trying their best you have compassion for them. You can see where they're maybe unhealed or healed or triggered or whatever. And you can just wish them well. And you know that God has got you and that like miracles happen every day and everything is limitless. And so are you. That's your experience of life. I think that's a really great spot <laughs> to close because that was so powerful. Thank you so much. I want you to tell everyone how to get in touch with you, what you got coming up and I'll have everything in the show notes. So don't, you don't mm. have to worry about links and things like that. Well, of course I had to have a massive freaking rebrand after this year. So <laughs> I changed my business from Jackie Simic. So if you, if you Google Jackie Simic, I'm sure you'll still find all the resources, but everything is moving to openhearted.co. So that's the website. That's also the, the Instagram name and yeah, an actual four or five month program about doing all of this deeper healing work that is going to be called open hearted is coming. So if you want to join the wait list, I'm sure we'll have some links up soon. Yeah. yeah. Come, come follow me on Instagram, openhearted.co. 
Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. I'm like, yeah, just feeling really inspired by our conversation. Yay. Thank you so much for having me, for being, you know, God places people in your life. And I think you were the right and perfect guide and person and heart for me at the beginning of my softening. <laughs> so thank you so much. And I love our relationship and all the ways that it's developed and evolved. Thank you so much for being here today. If you feel like you're looking for extra support, don't hesitate to reach out to me. This is what I do. I help women get unstuck and move into the next chapter of their life with so much courage, so much confidence and clarity. You can head to my website, claudiawhitney.com or jump into my DMs on Instagram at with.claudiawhitney. All right, here's to taking those small steps and making huge shifts happen in your life. Be well and much love.